Only Jesus. We've been talking about that this whole year for the most part and uh, going through the Gospel of John and seeing the Savior in a selfie world is the subtitle to that. And we're going to continue that today. But before we actually get into the message, I want to give you an update. A couple weeks ago, you remember that I said to you that in my household, all the females love that I have a beard now. And so we did a little thing. We're doing a little thing right now at our church where we're working on the renovations in our children's wing. And uh, so we said, well, we had a little bit of a hiccup of some needing some extra finances. So let's just make this fun. And so we'll do a point. So every dollar that's given uh, toward the children's wing, you can put on your check in the memo line or on the app in the memo area. Keep it or shave it. All right. So I want to give you an update as to where we are. We're going to do this until the fourth Sunday of September. Unless y'all don't want to know. But you want to know? Okay, well, I'll tell you. All right, good. So, so where we are right now is so far, 850 points are for keeping the beard. 425 are for shaving the beard. So right now it's a keep. At least for a little while longer. And so, but that means that $1,275 came in for the children's wing. And that's the real praise. And we praise the Lord for that. But we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're looking at only Jesus, because it's all about Him and never about us. And as we're looking at this passage of Scripture, we're looking today specifically at the end of chapter 14, and we're seeing Jesus as the assurance giver. Now, I know that if you're like me, there are times in your life when you just need some assurance. Amen? I'm not talking about insurance. I'm talking about assurance. Well, you need somebody who will come alongside you. And whatever you're facing in life, whatever difficulty you may be having, somebody just to come alongside you, maybe put their arm around your shoulder, and just to say, you know what? We're here, and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. As I was thinking about that this week, I couldn't help but to think about a particular time in my life when I was in college. And I was going through a rough spot. And I don't know if I called my mom or my mom called me. Because moms do have that sense of knowing kind of something's not right. And they call. But uh, that was in the days before cell phones, by the way. That sort of dates me a little bit. But we had a pay phone on the hall. And I was talking to my mom in the, on the pay phone. And just telling her kind of some of the things that I was dealing with. And I remember her saying to me, Joy is going to be all right. I just needed to hear that. You know what I'm talking about? Well, she would just say, you know, I've been there. I've done that, Joy. You just need to trust the Lord. It's going to be all right. And there are times in our lives when we need people who will come alongside us and say that to us. It's going to be all right. As we come to this passage of Scripture, we need to remember what's taking place here as we pick up here in 14. If you've been with us for a while and you've been following along, you know that the disciples and Jesus are in the upper room. We're only hours away from the cross. And we've been in this upper room for several weeks preaching from it, so it seems like it's been a long time. But we have to remember that the disciples, for them, it's only been minutes that they've been there or even an hour or so that they've been in the upper room, the disciples and Jesus. And remember what's taken, what has taken place in the upper room where they've had the dinner, the Passover dinner, where they've also had this time where uh, Jesus shows to them what it is to be a servant uh, as they had been arguing among themselves about who is greater and he stoops down, the Son of God stoops down and washes the dirty feet of these disciples. And right after that, he gets up and he is talking to them and he tells them some things that are taking place. That one of them will betray them, will betray him, and he's now out of the picture where he's left to go and do his thing. Jesus also said to them that he's going to leave them. And he also says that Peter is going to deny him three times. 
And so we looked at last week where Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also me. And so they had a troubled heart. The troubled heart that they were having as Jesus is speaking, they still have. And so now we come and we see that Jesus is the assurance giver. And he's saying to them three things that we're going to see here in this passage of Scripture that's going to be all right. What a Savior that we have. Amen. What a God who cares about his disciples. There's a commission, there's a mission that must be filled out. But what we want to see here today is that Jesus cares about his people, his disciples, and that he's telling us it's going to be all right. He's going to show us how and what that looks like here in this passage of Scripture. Not only for the disciples then, but for disciples now. Those of us who belong to Jesus now. The same message for the disciples then is the same message for us today. Amen? Y'all with me uh, this morning? All right, good. Well, let's, let's look at the end of John 14. We're going to start in verse 12. Go to the end of the chapter, verse 31. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you're able to stand, please stand, and, and I will read this for us uh, this morning. Picking up in verse 12. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, Jesus is speaking, Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do he will do also. Greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also, and that day you will know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I'll love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and, he, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that you would have your way in us. Lord, as we hear from you today, may you speak. Lord, may you speak to us even now to have the assurance that we need from you, no matter what it is that we're facing in this life. But Lord, give us the assurance to be the disciples that you have called us to be, to be on that mission with the commission, to be faithful to that call. And so, Lord, may you have your way in all of our hearts. If there are those here today 
who don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life, may this be that hour of salvation. For those of us, Father, who know you as Lord and Savior and just need to hear from you specifically of some assurance that's needed to guide us along on this journey of faithfulness to you and in our faith, Lord, may this be that time. May you make us tender to your Spirit's movement. And now, Father, may you have your way in every heart and every life. And may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you picked up the bulletin on your way in, uh, you can follow along uh, and fill in the blanks there or the, the MPBC Life, MPBC Life app. Uh, you can also f- uh, fill the blanks in on there as we move along. As we said, there are three things here that I think that Jesus is saying here in this particular place, in this particular time, that gives the disciples the assurance that they need because he is leaving and going away, as he's just told them, but they are to continue on to do the work that he's called them to do. So the first thing that we see here is that Jesus, as the assurance giver, is, is that we, he gives the assurance of answered prayer. The assurance of answered prayer. Now, when we look at verse 12 again, he says, Most assuredly, which is truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you that he who believes in me, Jesus says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, the great and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he's saying, look, even though he is leaving them as he speaks to his disciples, you are to continue to do the work And the works that I do, he will do also. So whatever I'm doing, you're going to do. But then Jesus says something rather shocking. He says, the things that I do, you're going to do also, which is spreading the gospel, pointing people to him. Disciples will do the same thing. But the shocking thing is that he says, but you will do greater works than these. He will do greater works than these. The believer will do. The disciple will do. He who believes in me. Greater works? Jesus is saying that the disciple, the believer is going to do greater works than he did? I mean, when we think about that, we could just sort of scratch our head and think, what, what can we do that's greater than what Jesus has done? I mean, he spoke, and the wind and the waves obeyed his voice. Can anybody here do that? I mean, if so, let's talk about that, right? Or he spoke when a dead man was in the grave for four days, and called him forth and he came to life again. And Jesus is saying, but you will do greater things. So what is he talking about? And I think when we look at that, really he's talking about greater in extent is one thing. That the mission, that through their missionary endeavors, as, as he is sending them out, to be the disciples, to be on mission for him, that they're going to bring many to Christ. The gospel is going to spread beyond where Jesus walked on the earth for those three years. And the gospel spread beyond Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. Indeed, that will be greater things that we will see. But also, I think that there's another aspect of this that we can see that's greater. Is that Jesus was able to do great things as the Son of God. We expect the Son of God to be able to do these great things. And it is even greater for us to think about how the Son of God, God himself, will use somebody like us to do great things. And that's definitely greater. That he would use human vessels to do the things that he has done, to spread the gospel, to point people to Jesus, to let them know that there is life. We may not be able to call a person up from the dead physically, but we can point them to the person 
who is Jesus who raises them spiritually from the dead. Amen? And he uses people, human instruments, and it's a greater thing to see. And Paul even recognized that as he wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians. And we get that sense as he noticed that in, in chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. He says, For I determined to, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you. Listen to what Paul says. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. We can pause right there and say that for those of us who ever shared the gospel or, or felt the, the need to share the gospel with someone or, or felt the inkling of the Spirit working within us to, to tell somebody about Jesus or to, or to care for them enough to point them toward Jesus, we would say that that may be us as well. Where we were in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words that I just kept getting tongue-tied of things that I needed to say. But then he goes further. He says, but it's in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so it's not so much about what I said, but how the power of God was at work taking what humble thing that I said and used it for his glory. Amen. Because it's never about me or what I'm accomplishing, but it's what God is accomplishing through me. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to do greater things. He's telling the disciples that they're able to do these great works, spreading the gospel, because he says, I'm going to the Father. So we know that as he, he's pointing toward the cross, and as he's going to be resurrected, and he ascends to the, the throne in heaven, that they needed to understand that you're going to do these things that are greater. And then he's saying, and know this, that as you're going to do these greater things, you need to know that I am still here that I'm only a prayer away. Amen? So look what he says there in verse 13 and 14. He says, and whatever you ask, you're going to do greater things, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything you ask. So Jesus is giving the assurance of answered prayer. Ask and I will answer. Ask, and I will hear. Ask, and it will come to pass. Now, as he tells them these things here, there are three things here I think that we could see that's the assurance that Jesus gives to the disciple there uh, for the prayer to be answered. There are three things. And the first thing is that you must be a disciple. Because he says, you must believe in Jesus. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So it's important, it's imperative for prayer to be answered. The person praying the prayer needs to be a disciple. The person who believes in Jesus. And then the second thing he says, to, you must be a disciple, but also ask according to his will. So in verse 13, again, he says, uh, if you ask anything, if, as, whatever you ask in my name, that will I would do. So ask in my name. So we're asking in his name. So that means asking according to his will. You say, well, we ask in his name all the time, Pastor. When I end my prayer, I always say, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, that's great. But this is not a formula, okay? So what he's talking about that is asking in, in accordance to his will, to pray in line with what his will is. I mean, he taught the disciples in that thing that we call the Lord's Prayer. There's a part of that where he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want to line ourselves up to what his will is. Lord, what is your will? 
You see, because we live in a selfie world and we're so self-oriented, many times when we're asking things in prayer, we're not so concerned about what God's will is as what my will is, right? But I was reading this week and I saw that somebody wrote this, that prayer, uh, prayer the, the practice of prayer is surrender, where we surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. That if, he said, if I throw out a boat hook from the boat and I catch hold of the shore, and I pull, do I pull the shore to me, or do I pull myself to the shore? He says, prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. And so that's how we're to pray as believers, asking in his name, asking according to his will. And then also, the third thing here is asking for his glory. Because it's all to be, as we seek to pray, and answered prayers are going to be for his glory, that the Father may be glorified, he says here. So, if you pray, so as you pray your prayer and you want it to be answered, ask yourself, is this prayer, as it's answered, is it going to spotlight who God is? Is it going to spotlight what, who, who he is and what he's able to do? Will it bring glory, as this prayer is answered, will it bring glory to his name? And so that's what Jesus is saying here, that he gives the assurance. He will answer, and he says, and I will do it. Many people today say, well, I like that. Man, let me, let me start writing my list of things that I want to start asking for and get my prayers answered. Well, understand, be advised of this, that this is not a magical formula. You see, sometimes when we think about prayer, we think about prayer by way of like a vending machine. We look at the vending machine and we have these things that we want. And so we'll think, okay, well, what do I need to do to get what I want out of that vending machine? And so what we'll do is we'll look at what we want. We'll see what we want. We'll put in our prayer card. We'll hopefully punch the right numbers. And then the prayer will be answered and it'll spit it out. So what are you talking about? Well, let's look at it this way. Think about it this way. You've been to, you, you, got to, you go to class, you find yourself in class one morning, you walk in the class, the teacher, the professor says, all right, class, we got that quiz today, and you think, I, I forgot to study for that quiz. I shouldn't have been watching TV last night, I shouldn't have been playing video games, I shouldn't have been spending time you know, down the dorm, I should have been in my office or wherever, in my room studying for this test. And so what do you do? You go to the vending machine. Okay, I want an A on this paper. There it is. All right, let me put in my prayer card. Lord, please give me an A on this paper. Make sure you punch all the right buttons, and you're just saying, give me the A, give me the A. Vending machine. Well, maybe that's not you. You're not in school anymore. Maybe this is you. You continue to eat hamburgers and french fries, and you realize you got an appointment with a doctor tomorrow, and he's going to do blood work, and he's going to check your cholesterol. All right? So you go to that vending machine, you say, Lord, what do I want? Oh, I want a good cholesterol report. There it is. So I put in my prayer card, I punch all the right numbers, and please bring me a good cholesterol report, even though I love that burger and fries. And we treat prayer like a vending machine. That's not what Jesus is talking about here at all. Now, I understand it's not wrong to pray for the small things in life. It's okay to do that. All right? Amen? But what Jesus is talking about here is the powerful prayer that deals with being obedient to the Father's will and for his glory. 
We think about the early church, those disciples who faced such great opposition and persecution as they were telling people about Jesus. We think about those Peter and John who were preaching and the the Pharisees, the religious leaders and the people in charge were the ones who told them after many things were being done, you are to no longer preach in the name or teach in the name of Jesus. And so they went back to the church and they began to pray. Now, if we would be our prayers today, we would probably pray something, Lord, be sure to get them. Go out and strike them all. Get them out of the way so that we can do whatever we want to do and what we need to do. But that's not how the early church prayed. And I'm not going to give you the whole prayer, but it's found in Acts chapter 4. But here's just a little piece of that to see how the early church prayed. Listen to this. They said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness they may speak your word. So even in the midst of the persecution, even in the midst of the opposition, no matter what may come, give us the boldness to speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through your name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So the prayer was not about them, but that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and God would be glorified. You see that? And then the Bible tells us that this is what happened in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen? Beloved, when we think about prayers, listen, too often our prayers are all about us in this selfie world and has nothing to do with the will of God or for his glory. I love what Hudson Taylor, who was the great missionary to China, he said these words. Now, listen carefully. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked him if I might help him. And finally, I ended up asking him to do his work in me and through me if he would be so pleased. Now, you see the difference there? He said, I used to ask God to help me. In our language, we would say it this way. Lord, I'm going to do what I want. Would you bless it? Or then he said, I asked him if I might help him. And we would know that as, Lord, you need me. What can I do to help you? Until it came to the point where he said, he asked him to do his work in me and through me if he would be so pleased. And so for us, that's saying, Lord, I am nothing apart from you. I depend on you. You use me as your instrument as you see fit, for I am yours. So that's how the powerful prayer happens. He promises, Jesus promises the disciples answered prayer. He gives the assurance of prayers that he will answer. Because the disciples needed to know that they would speak and and ask, and the Lord would hear, and he would answer. You get that? Amen? Because he's leaving. They need to know this. They need to have that assurance. And so he says to them what we need to know today, that prayer is key in our walk. Prayer is key as we live this life. Prayer is, prayer is powerful. He says, Jesus says, you will do greater things. And the success of their mission was absolutely connected with praying in his name. And a major part of that was him listening and knowing that he will answer. So he is saying, pray and ask. In Jeremiah 33, 3, the Bible tells us, the Lord says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. 
Beloved, we have the assurance of the powerful answered prayer. Amen? And so the question then for us is, do you actually believe that prayer changes things? Do you actually believe that prayer is powerful? Do you actually believe that prayer is key? And do you believe, actually believe that the one true living God hears you as you pray? And do you believe Jesus wants you to pray? And so we would say yes to those things, but then we would say, well, are you spending time alone with the Lord? We believe this, but are you actually spending time with Him and talking to Him and praying and asking and listening to His voice? Are you involved in the prayer ministry here at church? We have so many needs of how we need people to pray. Are you involved in that? And in your prayer time, if you believe the prayer is powerful for the glory of God, are you praying for the lost? Are you praying for people that you know that don't know Jesus? Are you praying for your neighbor? Are you praying for your community? Are you praying for the world, those, our missionaries who are out, who are sharing the gospel out in very difficult places? Are you praying for those people? We have the assurance of answered prayer. Secondly, we see here, as we have the assurance of answered prayer, let's say this, as we have the assurance of answered prayer, then we are to lay it out. We are to lay it out and pray. Amen? So the second thing, assurance of answered prayer, we have the assurance of another paraclete. A paraclete. What in the world is a paraclete? It's not the things that you wear when you're playing soccer. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Not a paraclete, but a paraclete. And so this is a Greek word here. Let's have a little bit of a Greek lesson here. It's two words that are put together. And, and the word, two words together mean one who comes alongside. And the word is so rich that there's no English word that really compares or can compare to the word paraclete. The New King James translation has helpers, some have advocates, some have counselors. But nothing can really capture what what Jesus is saying to them in the paraclete. So he is saying there's another paraclete. And so as Jesus is going before the disciples, he's leaving them behind, preparing the way to the Father. He's saying to them, look, as I go, this relationship that we have, it's going to continue. And so he tells them something here in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So Jesus said, I'm leaving, but if you love me, then keep my commandments. If you love me, then you're going to follow my word. If you love me, you're going to do what I said. If you love me, then you're going to obey obey me. If you love me, then you're going to live it out. That's what he's saying. And so he's telling them, this is what you need to do. You're going to have the, the, the assurance of answered prayer. But if you love me, you're going to live it out. And so how are you going to live it out? Then he says this in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So he's saying, you need to live it out. If you love me, you're going to live it out. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And if you love me, you're going to do what I, obey me and do what I've said. And here's how. There's another helper who's going to come alongside you to help you to live it out. Another meaning one just like Jesus, who is alongside him. Aside them, this helper, the paraclete, this advocate, this counselor. And the idea of a paraclete or a helper here is a friend who speaks up in favor of an accused or someone who would call, that you would call to come alongside you to help you in your defense. So it's sort of like a lawyer, but a lawyer who's a friend, who's your advocate, who's going to be there for you and help you along in so many different ways. It's not until verse 26 that we find out that this paraclete, this helper, is the Holy Spirit. And so we, pro- we know about the Holy Spirit, that the, the Holy Spirit was prophesied in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, 
For it says, shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, old men dream dreams, and young men will see visions. And then we know that as Jesus went to the cross, he was resurrected and ascended into heaven. That not long after that, that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, upon the believers there at Pentecost. So this Holy Spirit has come. And so this is the one that Jesus is pointing to who is coming. Y'all with me this morning? And he's saying this helper, this paraclete is going to do what Jesus himself had done before he leaves. So this helper is going to comfort. This helper is going to teach. This helper is going to convict the world of sin and guide the disciples in truth. And he tells them three things here in these couple of verses that he's going to do, that this paraclete is going to do, this helper is going to do. And the first thing is that he's going to abide with you. So look at verse 16 and verse 17 again. The end of verse 16 says, The helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. So he said he may, he, this, this paraclete, this helper, he's going to abide with you. He's going to dwell with you. And he's going to be with you to comfort you and to strengthen you just as Jesus has done for them. But understand that this comforting is not just soothing you when you're going through difficult times. It's more than that. It is comforting you to soothe you, but also to strengthen you that you're able then to get up and to continue to do battle against the devil. He is with you to aid you, to come alongside you, to help you to do these things. And so he'll be your helper and your advocate, and he abides with you, he says, forever. That once the Holy Spirit is given... He's never taken away. So once you have the Holy Spirit with you, he's never taken away. With the Holy Spirit, there's a sense of intimacy with Jesus himself. So that brings us to the next thing he says. So not only is he with you, but then notice what he also says at the end of verse 17 and verse 18. He'll be with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So he is saying that this paraclete, this helper, this advocate, he's going to come alongside with you, but he's also going to abide in you. And that's pretty awesome, isn't it? And so what he's saying here is that as I leave, there's, you, you may think that you're going to be an orphan, but I will not leave you as orphans. You will not be alone. And that's pretty awesome there, isn't it? You will not be alone. I'm not going to leave you in a position where you feel like that you're alone and needing counsel, needing comfort, needing strength, and needing support. No, I'm going to come to you in the form of this helper who will be in you. So Jesus assures his disciples by telling them that even though he will be physically absent, they would experience his presence more fully and intimately because another helper would take up residence with them and in them. They would never be orphans. And beloved, this is what you need to understand as a believer in Jesus Christ, that if you know the Lord as Savior of your life, you are never alone. Amen? You never need to feel like an orphan. You never need to feel like that nobody cares about you because that simply is not true. And, anywhere, and if you're hearing that, that's not coming from the Lord. Amen? He will not leave us as orphans. We are not alone. One of the most devastating things for anybody to entertain that thought is to think that I'm alone and nobody cares. But as a believer, that's not the case. He does care, and we're not alone, because he lives with us and in us as the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we see also in verse 23, Jesus says that the believer will keep my word. In other words, the disciple of Jesus will live it out. He will, with the Spirit of God in them and in us, he now enables them to live out keeping the word of God. He enables them to obey his command. He enables them to live the life of following him. So he's saying this paraclete is coming to abide with you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, and abide in you as you recognize his presence, and he enables you to live the life. And then he also comes, thirdly, to guide them. So in verse 17, he says that the spirit of truth, he's called the spirit of truth. So the spirit of truth will guide them. And then we see how in verse 25 and 26, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you to, rem- bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit who's going to live in you, once I go to the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to come, he's going to abide with you, he's going to abide in you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Now, the disciples had been there right with Jesus all along. They'd seen his miracles, listened to his teaching. But, you know, the disciples, they still didn't quite get it, right? We've seen that, right? They still didn't quite get it. But Jesus is saying, but when the Spirit comes, when the Helper comes, when the Paraclete comes, you will get it. He will live with and in them. They will understand what has happened. They will comprehend what the Father and that Jesus are one. They would remember what Jesus said and how everything fits together as the scriptures are fulfilled. They didn't get it, but when the helper comes, they will. And he will teach them the things of God. He will guide them to remember all that Jesus has said. He will guide them into the truth of God. He is the spirit of truth, and he comes to guide them. And, beloved, listen, that same spirit of God that Jesus was promising to the disciples is the same spirit of God who lives within us today. We belong to the Lord. The Holy Spirit dwells with us and in us and to guide us. The disciples wouldn't have the physical presence of Jesus with them, but now Jesus would send this helper to them and to all who would believe in him. And all who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have this paraclete living with us and in us, and he is here for the same reasons. He does the same things, which is he comforts us, he strengthens us, he enables us to live the life of following the Lord, he enables us to follow his commands, he enables us to keep his word, he enables us, he guides us into all truth, he guides us to understand the word of God as we read it, and he guides us to then, as we read it, to apply it to our hearts and to how to live that out. You see, I don't know about you, but I know me that I need a helper because I cannot do this by myself. It's not natural for me to be able to obey the Lord. It's not natural to do these things, to do what the Lord wants us to do. But we need the helper who lives with us and in us to guide us, to enable us to do what he's called us to do. Amen? We need a helper. We need to be comforted. We need to be strengthened. We need to be guided. And so we need the spirit of the living God in us to enable us to live the life. Oh, my. We need the Lord. Amen? I think sometimes we think about the Holy Spirit. I think we underestimate the worthiness of the Holy Spirit, the awesomeness of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we tend to think of needing his help when we're faced with the small things in life. You know, we think, man, I I didn't get enough sleep last night, but I just really need the Lord to help me today. Or we come to work and we think, man, the coffee machine's broken. I don't know if I can handle today. I need the Lord to really help me with that. Or 
I didn't get enough sleep and the coffee machine is broken. Boy, we really need the Lord for that, right? We have these different, and we think, and so we think that that's what it's all about. But reality, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples here, remember that the disciples are the people who would testify about Jesus in the face of severe persecution and oppression and opposition and even face death because they are believers in Jesus. And it's that spirit that he is giving to them who is going to enable them and empower them and guide them and be in them and with them to help them to be the people that God has called them to be. He's the, he's, he's the one who will strengthen them to be faithful to the gospel to strengthen them in the culture that was opposing them, to guide them to live out the truth and to remind them of all that Jesus had said. And as death was before them, as they were facing the, 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 sta- the, the burning stakes or the ter- burn, uh, being crucified upside down, whatever it may have been, that the Spirit would empower them to help them to stand to the very last faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, that same Spirit is the same Spirit who lives within us who enables us, who strengthens us to be faithful to the gospel in this age, to strengthen us in this culture that opposes Christianity and Christian values and what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He comforts you to remind you that you are not alone in this world. He guides you to live out the truth in this world. He reminds you of all that Jesus has said, and even as you face death, he will empower you to help you to stay standing firm on the gospel what a helper amen what a paraclete to help us to be what jesus has called us to be we're enabled and empowered to live out the gospel to fight the battle against our enemy the devil to know the truth to live the truth to speak the truth but the question for us as believers today is will we live it out will we live it out in the big decisions as well as during the busy days? Will we live it out in the momentous times as well as every moment? Will we live it out, this faith, when we feel victorious and when we're in the valley? Will we live it out in the church house as well as the schoolhouse? Will we live it out in the pew as well as out in the public? Will we live it out when nobody's looking and when everybody's looking? How are we going to live? Are we going to live it out? Y'all with me? Amen? We're going to live it out. And with the assurance of this another paraclete, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, let's live it out. Live out the faith. Live out what Jesus has called us to do and to live. So we have the assurance of answered prayer, the assurance of another paraclete, and we have the assurance of absolute peace. Real quick, we see what this peace is. The peace has been given. Now, these disciples, they needed peace because they are in turmoil. Their hearts are troubled. They don't know what's going to happen, what to expect, what's going, what's going to be around the corner for them. But Jesus says this in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. My peace I leave with you. So what is he talking about? My peace I leave with you. Well, he's going to the Father, he's leaving peace, and as he goes to the Father, he's making the way for them to have peace. Peace, peace with God. So the peace that Jesus leaves with his disciples is that they would have peace with God. Because Jesus would go to the cross, he'd make the way for people to be reconciled to God the Father. And and before that, those of us who don't know Jesus are under the wrath of God because of sin. Now they can have the peace 
with God because of the cross. He has made the way. My peace I leave with you. He would die, rise again, send to the Father, and this peace is certain. He is who he says he is. He did what he said he would do. When a person trusts Jesus by faith, they become a disciple of his, and they have this peace. Peace I leave with you. Peace, the peace with, the peace with God. And Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So as long as Jesus was present, we think about the disciples here. As long as the disciple, Jesus was present with those disciples, they relied on him to give them peace. You remember this, when they were going through the storm in the ship? They were panicking. Lord, where are you? Help us. And he was asleep in the stern, right? He was asleep in the ship, in the boat. So they were relying on him to have peace. And so what we see here is Jesus assures them that with his presence in them now, with the Holy Spirit, that he would still give them his peace. My peace I give to you. The peace I had when I was sleeping in the boat, the peace that I have now as I'm getting ready to go to the cross, that peace I'm giving to you. You see that? My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. The peace that he's giving to them is not the peace with God, it's the peace of God. Amen? So he gives them this peace. And beloved, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're already at peace with God, but now we have the promise and the assurance of having the peace of God in us. So no matter what it is that we're facing in life, we have this peace of God. He says, it's not as the world gives do I give to you. Because the peace that the world gives is, is, not, is not worth much, right? Because the world peace is not certain. The world's peace is temporary. The world's peace is usually had to be won or maintained by force. When you think about the countries that are in turmoil today and the riots and different things, those, there's peace that's maintained because of force. And Jesus says it's not like that at all. But the peace that Jesus offered was from a battle, but from a battle that's already been won and fought by Jesus himself, where he suffered and died, and because of his death, we can have the peace of God. Because he fought our fight, a fight that we could never have won, we now have the peace with God and peace of God. And this peace that he offers to us, y'all got me now, you understand? This peace I'm talking about is not temporary, this peace is not uncertain, but rather the peace that Jesus offers us and Jesus assures us of, it is sure and it lasts forever. No matter what storm you may be facing, no matter what you're going through in life, you can have the peace with God as his, as his disciple and the peace of God that lasts forever. And so he says, with this peace, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so with that assurance of absolute peace, then let's leave out. Let's leave it out. Let's leave out our fear. Let's leave out our anxiety. Let's leave out our troubled heart. Let's leave out our worry because we've been assured because of Jesus, we have absolute peace, right? Three things to do, and we're done, all right? Number one, and I've already said these three things, but you, you may not have caught them, but the first one is lay it out. So we're to lay out our prayers. If we have the assurance of answered prayer, then lay them out. Let's spend time in prayer, amen? You know, I, I, I understand that a lot of people like to listen to um, preachers on TV or on radio 
A lot of people are listening to podcasts and what have you, and those are fine and great. But I become somewhat concerned sometimes when I think that it's possible that maybe we're listening to other people more than we're listening to God. And so we need to be spending time talking to him and spending time in prayer and spending time bringing our requests before him and laying it out before him and listening to what he has to say to us as well. So lay it out before him and pray. Spend the time in prayer. Where are you spending all your time? Spend the time in prayer. Secondly, lay it out, then live it out. I mean, we're believers in Jesus Christ. We're disciples. And we're disciples because somebody told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told you about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross of, of Calvary. And because of that, we're to live it out today. It's our turn to be the disciples. Amen? And the Holy Spirit lives within us. Let's live it out. We have the assurance of another paraclete, one who's helping us, guiding us, with us, and in us to do just that. Live it out. Not just here, but everywhere in which we go. And then thirdly, leave it out. Meaning, leave out your worry. Leave out your troubled heart. Leave out your anxiety. Leave out your, your, your having your, the anxiety and fear that you're having in your heart. Because we have the assurance of absolute peace. When you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're at peace with God. And you have the peace of God. Amen? Always, always, always. All right, so you may have heard this song. You know this song, I bet you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Y'all ever heard of that one? Y'all know that one? I'm not going to sing it, but I just want to make sure you knew it. But I read a story this week. At the height of the persecution in communist China, which has been some years ago, a Christian sent a message to a friend. A Christian was in China, wanted to get a message to the friend that they were okay. And so the message that he sent to the people outside of China, it escaped the attention of those who were censoring uh, the, the messages that were going out. Because all it said, now watch this, is it said, the this I know people are well. The this I know people are well. And with that phrase, the this I know people, the people on the outside knew exactly what they were talking about, that they were the Christians, those who were identified as the Christians that, that, that were in China, that this I know people are well. Beloved, let us be the this I know people. Amen? Let us be the this I know people because we know that he loves us. Let us be this I know people because we know we have the assurance that he answers prayer. Let's, let's be the this I know people because we know we have the assurance that he has not left us as orphans. Let us be, let's be the this I know people because we know we have the assurance that we are empowered and we are enabled by him to live it out. And we are the this I know people because we know we have the assurance that he has given us his peace. So let's lay it out before him. Let's live it out and leave out any fear, or anxieties, or worries and trust him. Because he comes alongside us and in us, and he says, it's going to be all right. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord for who he is. If you don't know him today, come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. He is who he says he is. He does what he says he will do. He is faithful. Trust him by faith today as you turn to him. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'd be with all of us today, whether we've trusted you by faith already or have never done that, that at this moment you're dealing with our hearts to make decisions of commitment. 
to follow you in faithfulness. Lord, to live it out, to leave out the fears, the anxieties, to trust you and know that it's going to be all right as we lean on you and know that you're with us and in us to guide us. And so, Lord, give us that peace that passes all understanding. Help us to remember the Holy Spirit lives within us. Help us, Father, to come to you in prayer and speak to you, spend time with you, and know that you answer. And so, Lord, may you have your way in every heart and every life here today. Lord, you know what people are going through. You know what people are here who have troubled hearts, who are anxious. And I pray that by the power of the Spirit who works, who's with and in and guides, may you lead us to decisions of commitment and surrender today, whatever that looks like in everybody's life. And may we walk away from here knowing that we've been in your presence, and that you loved us enough to know what we were going through and to give us a message we needed to hear. And so, Lord, may we respond to that in worship and yielding our hearts and lives to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.